Hey everyone, welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. We are so honored that you would take a few minutes and you would join us, even if it's through an app on your phone right now. We're just honored that you would spend the time with us. And I want to encourage you, if you want to spend time with us in person, we would love to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We would love to meet you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to serve you. So make plans to join us. But right now, I hope that you enjoy this message and we hope that it encourages you and it blesses you today. I love Easter and I don't love Easter because I get to see y'all just in your beautiful pastel shirts and all that and dresses. I do love that. But I love Easter because of what Easter represents. And that's the fact that Jesus died. He really died. And he really came back to life. Come on, give God a hand for Easter. Woo, come on. Hey, we would not be here if it weren't for Easter. Uh, we would, if, if Jesus just died and didn't come back from the dead, uh, this is pointless. But the fact that Jesus really died and he really, historically, the actual person Jesus came back to life we celebrate that and listen and here's the deal uh, we can debate stuff about the bible all day long but that's the most important thing in the bible jesus died and he came back to life now if i did that y'all better listen to everything that i say because that's pretty awesome jesus did it and he gave us a book he gave us the bible and we need to listen to that because it is what's in there is important and uh, so man i'm excited because we get to celebrate easter today and here let me just give you a little spoiler alert we celebrate easter every sunday here at oasis church because it's it's a thing that's why our our church services are designed to be a celebration i don't want you to leave feeling beat up and like man that guy hates me or that he just yelled at me the whole time no 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 we want to encourage you that's that's what we that's why we do what we do this is a positive place and uh, now there's some bad news we have to face we're going to get to that in a second but what we really preach here is the good news can i get an amen from somebody come on there we go hey and if we're going to celebrate easter we got to if we're going to appreciate it we got to go back we can't just start on easter now we're going to get to Easter in a little bit, but we can't just start with Easter. We need to go back to, like, the beginning. And I'm not talking about, like, a little bit. Uh, we got to go all the way back to the beginning. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 3. First book of the Bible, if you're new, just open it a little bit, and then you'll be probably be in Genesis. All right, so hop in there. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. It's on the screen back here behind me, and you can follow along with us. We're going to be in chapter 3, starting in verse 1. we got to start here. If we're going to get to Easter, we got to start here. Here's what it says. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, he's talking about Eve, all right? Y'all know Adam and Eve. God created Adam and Eve. He's talking to Eve right now. He said to, the, he said to Eve, did God really say like did he really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden now listen to me the, the the serpent is the devil in the story he's satan he's our enemy we don't like this guy and he's talking to eve and he let me just tell you his tactics haven't changed much since there since, since this story this happened a long time ago his tactics haven't changed much if the devil can get you to question the word of god he can get you to do almost anything so God had given Adam and Eve a special instruction. And so what Satan does is he doesn't go, God's a liar. No, no, no. He, he gets you to question. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree, from any tree in the garden? And the woman said this to the serpent. She said, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. 
So that part's right. She gets it right. But here's where she gets it wrong. But God did say, you must not eat the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. That part's right. Here's where she gets it wrong. And you must not even touch it or you will die. God never said that. God just said, don't eat the fruit of that tree. He didn't say he couldn't touch it. He didn't say he couldn't sit under it and have a picnic. He didn't say any of that. No, no, no. He said, just don't eat the fruit off that tree. But you see, Eve didn't know the word of God for herself. And so she was able to question what God said when the enemy came to her and said, did he really say? And she gets it kind of right, but she kind of misses it a little bit. She said, you know, we can't even touch it or we'll die. And so the serpent's already got her. He says this, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Oh, he's working her. He does this to us all the time. And then when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and it was pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Now, I don't know about y'all, but there's something about a banana. Have you ever seen a banana that's like perfect? You know, it's got just... A little brown speckle, not too much. It's mainly yellow, but it's got a little bit of... That's a perfect time to eat a banana. Now, if you don't think that's true, you're wrong. And that's okay, all right? How many of y'all like a little bit of brown on the banana? Come on. Okay. How many of you don't really like bananas? Anybody not like bananas? Or how many of you like it just yellow? No brown, just yellow. All right, y'all crazy. It's okay. Y'all crazy. Now, Eve was looking at this fruit, and she was like, now that does look like it's ready right now. It's perfect right now. I think it looks good. It was appetizing. It just, it, it, I, 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 in the last service, I talked about a, uh, uh, a honey crisp apple. Have you ever had a honey crisp apple? If you haven't had a honey crisp apple, don't do it because it'll ruin apples for the rest of your life. They're the best apples. Now, she looked at that honey crisp apple on that tree and was like, listen, now that looks good. I bet it's snappy. I bet it's got a little tartness to it, a little sweetness to it. And she takes a bite of it, and all of a sudden, Oh boy, she did it right there, right? And it says, when the woman saw the fruit tree, it was desirable. She wanted it. She ate it. Then she gave it to her husband and he ate it. And then it says this, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. How many of y'all have had that dream before? You're doing something and you realize like, oh God, I don't got no clothes on. Y'all ever had that dream? I have that dream. Maybe that's weird, but that, I've had that dream. They realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They were afraid. How many of y'all have ever had that moment when you were growing up and your mom said, just wait till your dad gets home? Y'all ever had that before? Come on now, just wait till your dad gets home. You've, uh, mama said that to you? It works, doesn't it? No? Okay, it doesn't work. But y'all all had this one. One of my kids is up here ratting us out. Who knows what she's going to say? But you've ever had that moment like, just wait till your dad gets home. He'll deal with it. And man, the whole day you're just waiting on dad to get home. And you know, like, maybe she forgot to tell him. Maybe she won't. Get him my water, by the way. Maybe, uh, maybe he'll be nice when he gets home. No, that's never how it is. You hear dad pull up. Thank you, baby. Thank you. Y'all give Lucy a hand. Come on. Thank you, little Lucy. You hear that garage door open when your dad gets home. 
and you're doing exactly what Adam and Eve did. You're like, I'm hiding. I'm going to go play with my friends outside, and I'm not going to come back. That's how, you know, I'm just, I'm going to stuff my pants with, like, socks so it doesn't hurt when he whoops me when he gets home, right? Like, you, you get nervous. That's what Adam and Eve felt. They did something. They did something wrong. And, and their mom didn't tell them, just wait till your dad gets home. They heard dad coming to the, the garden, and they were worried. They, they didn't know what to do, so they just hid. Now, this moment in time, let me tell you something. It changed your life forever. And you weren't even there. You weren't even a lustful thought in your daddy's eyes. And it still changed your life forever. It changed everything forever. And it just didn't change your life a little bit. It changed your life a lot. This broke the world. And some of you have questions. Why does bad things happen in the world? It's because of this moment right here. Now, we can't just blame Adam and Eve for everything, but this is when sin entered the world. And it didn't just break the world a little bit. It broke the world a lot. Now, how many people in here have a cracked screen on your phone right now? Don't be shy. Raise your hand. Y'all can get your phones fixed now. Okay, you got a cracked screen all right, on your phone. But you would say, right, your phone still works. It's not broken, right? The screen's just broken. Now, if you handed me, and that's a whole other sermon in and of itself. You can just look past the crack. You don't even realize the crack's there anymore after a while. But the phone still works. You can still text, still take pictures. You can still call people, all that stuff. But if you took one of your phones, and, and I took it, it, the screen was cracked. I had a sledgehammer up here, and I just beat that thing into dust up here. We would all agree that that phone is broken beyond repair, right? Like, you, don't, you can't get that phone fixed. You got to go get a new phone. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Whenever this happens, in our life, so to speak, it didn't just crack the screen of our phones. It broke our phones beyond repair. Sin entered the world this moment. And sin doesn't just break stuff a little bit. It breaks stuff a lot. And you just can't get, to, you can't just fix your life. You need a, a new life. That's, that's what this did. And so in this moment, sin entered the world. This is where brokenness entered the world. This is the moment where sickness and disease entered the world. This is the moment where division entered the world. This is the moment where cheating entered the world. This is the moment where evil entered the world. This was the moment where everything that's opposite of God entered the world. And it happened when Adam and Eve ate the fruit off that daggum tree. And now we get to deal with the consequences because that has been passed down to you. It got passed down to your parents, your grandparents, your great grandparents. And guess what? We all have the problem of sin and sin breaks things beyond repair. We can't fix it. There's nothing we can do about it. And if you look at the, the passage, it says this, then after they ate it, their eyes were opened and they realized that they were naked. That's just, that's symbolic. They, they had shame. They realized this. And so what did they do? They sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. And the man and his wife, then they heard the sound of the Lord in the garden. In the cool of the day. You see, God would walk with them every day. After dinner, you know, y'all, some of y'all go on after dinner walks. This is what God would do. They would, in the cool of the day, they would go for walk with God, literally with God. And when they heard the sound of God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, they hid from God among the trees in the garden. You see, leave that slide up, okay? Don't touch it. Leave that, leave that right where it is. When this happened, their eyes were opened up, and they were able to know, holy moly, we messed up. And all of a sudden, they could feel regret for the first time. They felt shame for the first time. They felt embarrassment for the first time. 
They messed up everything. Now, it didn't take them long. It didn't take them long to, to, to do this. Like, it happened pretty soon, right? They were vulnerable. And what they did is they tried to take matters into their own hands. They messed up, and then they thought, you know what? I can fix it. And so they sewed together fig leaves, and then they heard God, and they hid, and they thought, if we can just hide from God, he won't be able to see how, who, how we really are, who we really are. And you know what? We haven't changed much. Because as soon as we start to mess up, we start to try to fix stuff on our own. We start to try to, okay, if I, okay, I'm doing this. Okay, now I need to do this. And then I get, and all of a sudden you realize you're overwhelmed and you can't fix a lot of things on your own. Sometimes your marriage gets to a point where it's like, I don't know what else we can do I, uh, with your kids. I don't, God, I, I don't know what to do. And you're trying to fix stuff on your own. You're trying to solve these problems on your own. And God has intended you to do that. But you're just like Adam and Eve. I'm just like Adam and Eve. I want to put stuff in my own hands and try to fix it myself. And this period right here, at the end of this sentence, you know, they hid from the Lord God, go back a slide, and uh, through the trees in the garden, right there. That's where the Bible should have ended. Like, God didn't owe us anything, by the way. The Bible should have been three chapters long, eight, uh, three chapters and eight verses long. He creates the universe. He speaks light into existence. He speaks the water into existence, space. You know, the, the stars, the planets, the trees, the fish, the animals. He even creates human beings. And he says, man, this is awesome. And it doesn't take us very long. And we mess it all up. And you know what? The creator doesn't owe us anything. That's what the, the Bible should have ended right there. But here's what it says. It go on in this uh, story. And it says, but the Lord. It says, but the Lord. You know, there's a lot of times in our lives where we feel like our back is up against the wall. When it feels like, man, we have messed stuff up beyond repair. There's, uh, there's no way our marriage can bounce back from this. There's no way I can have a relationship with that person anymore. God, will my kids ever get it? Will they ever come to know you? Uh, will, will I ever be able to get my finances in order? Will I ever be able to, to do well in my job? Will I ever be able to find fulfillment? God, will we be, ever be able to have kids? Will I ever be able to find the perfect person? And you feel like your back is against the wall. Well, let me tell you something. There is a moment in your life that God wants to give you where the story continues. You feel like there's a period at the end of your journey right now. You feel like there's nothing else you can do. And I want to tell you, God has always been about the but the Lord moments in your life. And so when they hid, when they feel like, when they felt like, man, I got to hide. We have to cover ourselves. What are we going to do? They hear God coming. They hide. But the Lord, here's what it goes on. It says, it says, but the Lord called to the man. He says, where are you? You see, God has always been about coming to find you. He's always been about bridging that gap. He's always been about finding you in your mess, exactly where you are. And he's always been about continuing the story when you put a period in your life. That's what he's about. But the Lord, there's more to the story. The back was against the wall, but God has something else planned. And he said, but God did this. All of you in this room can have a but God moment. It doesn't matter what you walked in here with. You can have that moment where God can change everything like that. 
He can change your marriage. He can change your financial situation. He can change your kids. He can change your spouse. He can change anything that you're facing. He can have a but God moment. And how many people in here would agree, man, there's some of us, we need a but God moment in our lives today. We need it. We need a moment where God changes our story, where he steps into our story, where he says, hey, I'm coming after you. And so what God did was he came after Adam and Eve, not in a malicious way, but in a way to help them, to cover them better, to, to do things his way. And when this moment in history happened, it set the Easter story in motion. And that's where Easter is going to come from. But we all love but God moments. We all love the moment where God changes things, where it feels like, man, there's just nothing else we can do. And then God shows up. There's a family in our church. They're sitting right here. Come on, Sarah and Andrew. Y'all raise your hand real quick. Come on up here. Don't preach. I'm joking. They, they would kill me. Sarah and Andrew, we got a picture of them right here. Come on. There you go. Sarah and Andrew, that was taken last year at Easter. Look how pretty y'all are. Y'all just look so cute. We got little Ella down here just celebrated her fifth birthday yesterday. Come on, y'all give Ella a hand. That's awesome. And uh, they've had an incredible journey. Some of you know this. Some of you don't. I'm going to share the story with you. And I might get some details wrong. I'm sorry, but I'll do my best, okay? Um, but Ella just turned five. And they had Ella. And they wanted to continue their family. They've always feel called to adopt, okay? But they, they felt like all right, let's have another biological kid. And so um, they start trying to have a baby. And before you have kids, I think you just assume that it's easy to get pregnant. And I guess in theory it is, but for some people it's hard, man. It's hard to get pregnant. And that's a very difficult journey for someone to walk through, for a family to walk through. And so uh, first month, nothing. Second month, try to have a baby, nothing. Third month, fourth month, sixth month, year. Two years, three years, four, nothing. They're, they're not having any luck getting pregnant. And so adoption's always been on the table for them. And so we were having our 21 days of prayer and fasting. They were having trouble getting pregnant biologically. And so adoption kind of took center stage in their life of like, hey, here's what we want to do. And we started praying, God, would you match a, a birth mom to this family? Now, if you don't know anything about the adoption um, system. It is crazy. It is adoption. Let me just say this is beautiful. It's one of the greatest things a family can do, by the way. Uh, and families that adopt are heroes to me because it is a humongous financial commitment on the front end. Uh, you're willingly putting yourself in a position where you're, it's very vulnerable. Uh, it's beautiful to help a, another family out, raise a child. I mean, it is a beautiful thing. But it can be brutal at the same time. And, uh, and so they, they started the adoption process. It is so expensive um, to do that. And so they're, I mean, Sarah's baking cupcakes like crazy. Are there any left out there, by the way? No one's saving one. I see how it is. So they, she, she makes amazing cupcakes. And she's cleaning people's houses. Andrew's driving for UPS all across the daggum country all the time. And they're, they're, they're working. They're earning. They're doing stuff to earn the money to get to do this. And, and so 21 days of prayer and fasting are coming. Or it's here. We're praying. And one day after church, they pull us aside and they're like, can we talk? And typically, let me just help you all out. If you lead with that to pastors, we're like, what's wrong? That's what I'm thinking. But they pull us aside out in the parking lot and they're like, 
we were matched with a birth mom and a baby. And we were like, we couldn't really react because I don't even know if your family knew yet, but we're like, yes, yes, in the parking lot trying to be real quiet. We're pumped because we're praying for this. And so they find out they get matched and we're so excited. We're celebrating. It's a, we shared their story here. It was amazing. But the thing about the adoption process is it can be brutal. And nothing is set in stone until after the baby's born. And you, you know, you got to wait a period. It's, it's, a, it's a long process. And uh, right before the baby was born, birth mom, you know, she decides to raise the baby herself. And this was after they had paid $17,000, over $17,000 to adopt this baby. And there's no getting that money back. And not only that, that was nothing compared to having a match with a child that's going to be your child and that uh, changing at the last second. So here they are, backs against the wall, lost $17,000. They don't have a child. Biologically, that has not happened. The adoption, they just had a failed adoption. And we were, I mean, we never lost faith, but we were so sad. And I know that was hard for you guys. And it felt like, man, is this ever going to happen? But God. So I'm sitting at my house. I somehow ended up alone in my home. I don't know how that happened. We have three kids. We homeschool. We work from home. We're never home by ourselves. I was home by myself. And I'm reading a book called Double Blessing by an author named Mark Batterson. And I read this paragraph. And it was like, Holy Spirit just said, send that to the Chetneys right now. And I'm like, now? Now. So, okay. So I took a picture of this book. I sent it to Sarah and Andrew. And I said, hey, this is not from me. It's from me. But God wanted you to know this. And I don't know why. I don't know why you need to know this. But here. And I want to share with you the quote I sent them. It says this. By the way, hold on. Y'all want to see the happiest person in the world? Look at that. I've never seen a happier man in my life. You are, man. I mean, that, that dolphin is, is it right there. I, I had to put that in. All right. Backs against the wall. Y'all listen. Y'all listen. Here's the, here's the quote. I'm sorry. Here's the quote. And I sent this, and it, the timing of this, you can't make this up. Maybe, and here's the quote, maybe you're in a chapter titled Setback. Be that a bitter divorce, a bad decision, or a difficult diagnosis. Listen, you can't have a chapter titled Comeback without a prior chapter titled Setback. That's the story of Job's life, isn't it? The book of Job reads like a tra tragedy until the last chapter, but God gets the last laugh. The best chapter is the last chapter, and it could be titled Double Blessing. And here's the verse that goes with that. It says, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. So I, I read that, all that, I send that to them. I had no clue, but where they were in that moment, at that time, was at a banquet with an organization called Both Hands that helps people adopt uh families they help financially support people that want to adopt it's an amazing organization they're at this organization and both hands invites them there and both hands donates back to them every penny that they lost in their adoption come on give god a hand that's amazing but that's not all a few months after that guess what they found out 
that they're pregnant with a biological child. Come on, give God a hand for that. But it gets better. It gets better. A few months after that, they get matched with the birth mom in Knoxville. And so the birth mom gives birth to beautiful baby Jeremiah, who we dedicated last week. Here, come on, check out this picture, everybody. Look at that. Go to the next picture. I love this right here. Pregnant with a newborn. They're going to have the weirdest set of twins ever. <laughs> but God, it felt like that was never going to happen, and that was impossible. Listen to this. Listen to this. But God, and God didn't just pay back the adoption fee. He didn't just give you a biological baby. He, he gave you a double blessing, right? You, you get two babies now. I mean, that's amazing. And listen, as I was preparing for this message and I was talking about this, thinking about this, I realized the Bible is full of but God moments. Full, there's no shortage of but God moments. You can title this message, God's Biggest Butts. That's what I told them, listen, because God is full of, of, of but God moments. His Bible is, we started the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden, we just talked about this. They screwed everything up beyond repair. But God came and found them in the garden when they were hiding. We look at Noah and the ark. Man, God, the people got messed up quick. And God is like, God, it says, the Bible says that God was sorry he ever made them. And he was wanting to wipe everybody out. You know what it says? You can look this, it says these words in the Bible. But God found favor with a man named Noah. And he made a way out. The Israelites, God's people, the family would grow. And they would get enslaved in Egypt. For hundreds of years, they're slaves in Egypt. And God finally sends Moses to come rescue the people from Pharaoh. And he sends Moses, and he finally lets the people go. Pharaoh lets the people go. And this is what we're celebrating this week, Passover week. This is what they celebrate right here. God freed them from Egypt. He passed over the people's houses of, of the people of God, and they left, and they're so happy. Like, oh my goodness, life could not be better. We're out of Egypt. It's amazing. God's given us this new land we're gonna get to go to. And God's spirit leads them to the Red Sea. And all of a sudden, they're at the Red Sea and they see this big expanse of water. And they probably, I don't, they probably couldn't swim. I don't know. Like, they can't swim that far. And all of a sudden, they hear noises behind them. And it's the whole army of Egypt. Pharaoh done changed his mind and was sending the entire army after the people of Israel. And he was going to kill all of them. And in that moment, you talk about your back being up against the wall. They were trapped. They couldn't go backwards. They would have been killed. They couldn't go forwards because they couldn't cross the Red Sea. But God, but God split that Red Sea. And the people didn't cross on muddy ground. No, no, no. The Bible says they crossed on dry ground. Because when God shows off, man, he shows off. And their sandals weren't even muddy. They walked across the Red Sea. We got David and Goliath. Man, we got the Israelites on this side, the Philistines on this side, and Goliath, the big old giants right in the middle. And I'm telling you, the people of God thought that it was the end right there. The Philistine army was about to wipe them out, and they were afraid, and someone had to go face Goliath, and no one wanted to do it. And it felt like they were about to lose their kingdom, they were about to lose their families, they were about to lose their kids, everything. But God sent David on a little lunch trip to bring lunch to his brothers in the middle of the battlefield. And he said, no, 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 no. I'm going to go fight this guy. 
And he went up to that giant. He said, you might have come with a spear and a sword, but I'm coming in the power of God. And he takes his little sling with a rock in it, and he busts Goliath in the head, and they defeat the Philistines right there. We got Rack, Shack, and Benny. If you're not from church, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but that's the VeggieTales version right there, all right? But Rack, Shack, and Benny. They serve in this kingdom. King Nebuchadnezzar builds a big golden statue of himself. He says, hey, when the music plays, everyone needs to bow down to that statue because I'm awesome. And Rackshack and Benny were like, no, I'm not going to do that. So the music plays. They don't bow. And all of a sudden, the king's like, if you do that again, I'm going to throw you in the furnace and you're going to burn up. And they said, okay. The music plays again. They don't bow. They get thrown into this furnace. The Bible tells us that he was so mad, King Nebuchadnezzar was so mad, they turned up the heat seven times hotter than it normally is. The people that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace died because it was so hot. They throw them in there, and surely that would kill them. Surely they would burn up. Surely that would end this nonsense. No, no, no. But God sent his son Jesus and he was actually in the fire with them. Not only did they not die, not even a hair on their body was singed. The Bible tells us this. They didn't even smell like smoke. Have you ever been to a bonfire or been within 10 miles of a bonfire? You smell like smoke. Not these people. Why? Because but God moment in their life. They had a but God moment in their life. Fast forward. The end of the Old Testament. 400 years of silence. God did not speak one time. He didn't give a prophecy. He didn't speak to anyone in prayer. He didn't know miracles. He didn't do anything for 400 years. And God's people just felt like, I think he forgot about us. Like, there's, does God remember who we are? Like, come on. It's been for, for generations. Their family hadn't heard a word from God. Nothing. But God saw a girl named Mary. And he appeared to Mary through a, an angel and says, you are going to give birth to the Messiah. And he's going to change everything. And so Jesus is born. He's born and he lives a life. And he has a perfect life. And he starts a ministry uh, where he helps people that no one else wanted to help. He, and he goes and eats with people that no one would ever want to be seen with. He heals people. He heals people that you wouldn't even want to look at. He goes to them and he finds them and he heals them. He brings dead people back to life. He, he touches <laughs> deaf ears and they're open. And he touches blind eyes and they're able to see. He heals people with skin diseases, leprosy. Uh, he, he does everything. He heals people from a distance. He healed this one guy's daughter and it just spoke and it happened and he does this. But one night, he's having dinner with his disciples after that, he goes to a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, and he starts to pray. And all of a sudden, one of his own comes and betrays him and hands him over to an angry mob of people that arrest him. He gets put on a trial. Jesus did nothing wrong. He never sinned. He never had a bad thought. He never did any. He lived a perfect life. And he faces the crucifixion. He faces an execution that was unimaginable. And they took his hands and they nailed him to a cross. They took his feet. They nailed him to a cross. 
and he hung there for hours, struggling with every breath. They hung him in between uh, two other crosses that were actual criminals. So he's hanging on the cross. And he gives his life for you and for me. And he says the three best words of all time. He says, it is finished. And we have the privilege of knowing the rest of the story. We have a Bible. We can read it. We've heard it before. The disciples did not have that. They didn't have a Bible. They were writing the Bible after all this. In their minds, this was over. Their, their king, the one that, came, that was supposed to come and, and change everything, died. He really, this real person, Jesus was a real person who really died. The Bible says they, they, they checked to see if he was dead. They, they stabbed him in the heart and it said blood and water came out separately. That's well, a sign of death. He really died. And they took him. And they wrapped him. And they put him in a borrowed tomb. And can you imagine what they were feeling? Man, people had seen these dudes with Jesus a ton for three years. They were thinking, we're next. They're going to get us next. And they're afraid. Their leader is dead. They're probably angry. They just gave up their life for this guy, and he's dead now. And, and, and they actually, they put him in a tomb, and they sealed it shut with a stone. They put two armed guards in front of it to make sure that the disciples couldn't do anything weird or anything like that. And it felt like, man, their back was against the wall. What are we going to do? They're coming after us. They're probably going to get our families, our kids. Like, what's going to happen? I, I don't know what we're going to do. And the Bible says this, Luke chapter 24. But, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, which you would be too, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified. You would be too, all right? And they bowed with their faces to the ground. And the men asked them, why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. That is why we celebrate Easter. It's the ultimate but God moment in history. When we thought all hope was lost, when we thought everything was gone, there was nothing we could do early on a Sunday morning, on a, this Sunday morning. Come on, Jesus rose from the dead and he changed everything. Just like when they ate the fruit back in the garden, it changed your life forever. The resurrection changes your life forever because Jesus didn't only defeat death when he came back to life, he defeated everything when he came back to life. And so that thing that you face, that problem that you face, come on, you can have a but God moment today. That marriage that needs a touch from God today, it can have a but God moment today. Come on, your body, it might be struggling physically. God wants to give you a but God moment. Come on, with your kids, you don't know what you're going to do with them. They seem to be walking away from the Lord. God wants to give you a but God moment today. And guess what? He can, and it's all because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection, you can have a but God moment in your life. Your back may feel like it's up against the wall. You might be feeling like you're living in a chapter of your life that's titled setback. Well, guess what? God, where you put a period, wants to continue your story. And it's going to start with, but God. Not but Clint. Not but Andrew. No, no, no. 
but God. God wants to change your life. He wants to change everything about your life. And the best part is, you don't have to clean it up to come to God. God wants you exactly the way that you are. I think we, we think sometimes, like, I'll get right with God, but first I need to quit doing this. I need to quit drinking and smoking and cussing. And, no. God wants you just like that, just the way you are. In, in fact, here's what the Bible says. We were utterly helpless. Welcome to church. You're helpless. You can't do it on your own. You, you want to take things into your own hands, but you can't. You're helpless. But what are the next two words? But God, come on, thank you, Ellie. But God, you're helpless. But God showed his great love for us. By what? By sending Jesus, by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Leave that verse up. While you were still broken, while you were still broken beyond repair, that's when that's the moment where God wants you. That's why he sent you before you even cleaned yourself up. He wants, you to, he wants you to receive him before you clean yourself up. Why? Because he wants to make you new. He doesn't want to fix your cracked screen. You don't have a cracked screen problem. You have a broken phone. God wants to give you a new phone. He wants to give you a new life. He doesn't want to just fix the broken one. No, no, no. He wants to make it new. And when we make it new, it says we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. While you were still broken, while you were still hopeless, while you were still helpless, God died for you. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, we can have a but God moment. Because of the resurrection, God can continue your story. Your marriage is bad, but God can change it. Your kids are walking away from God, but God can change it. Man, you struggle with anxiety, panic, depression, stress. And God wants to give you your butt God moment right now. And it's all made possible because of the resurrection. And so I know that some of you, you might have a hard time believing that that's true. And I would encourage you, do the, do the work. Look, the Bible says, seek and you will find me. Seek me and you will find me. But there's a caveat, if you seek me with all your heart. So maybe you're having trouble believing that today. Let me tell you, seek it with all your heart. And the Bible says, you will find it. God will show you. I will guarantee it. Because it's real and it's true. <clears throat> so I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes in this place right now. We're going to be done in just a few minutes. I'm going to talk to two different people today, all right? <clears throat> two different groups of people. <clears throat> Excuse me. First group of people are people that haven't made a decision to follow Jesus and to give your life to Jesus. Now listen, this is a major faith step. I understand that in your life. And you don't have to have everything figured out to make this decision. But the Bible says when we put our faith in Jesus... Uh, it te the Bible teaches us that we begin to change. Now, I can't promise you that all of your circumstances are going to magically disappear once you give your life to Jesus. That's not how this works. But what God does 
as he begins to work in your life. He gives you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is our helper. And he's going to begin to help you make better decisions. And this is a process that you're going to walk through. That's why we're here. <clears throat> we want to help you on your journey. But it all starts with you giving your life to Jesus. So that's you. On the count of three, I, no one's looking around with me, okay? And I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to do anything weird. But on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand so that I know who we're praying with here today. And I'm going to help you make that decision today, all right? So if you want to ask Jesus in your heart for the first time, invite him into your life for the first time. On the count of three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on, lift your hand up. It's okay. All right, you can put it down. If that's you, you can just say this. You can say, dear God. There's nothing magical about this, by the way. Put it in your own words. Dear God, I know I've messed up. I've sinned. And I know I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for coming back to life. And I invite you into my life. And in the best way I know how, I'm going to live life your way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on. Y'all can look up at me actually for a second. If you made that decision, I, I, I want you to let us know. Okay? You can fill out this. I don't care if you've been here a hundred times or this is your first time. You can fill this out and mark up here that you decided to follow Jesus today for the first time. And we want to know that because we want to help you. This is a process. So I want to, I want to get the right tools in your hands. I want to answer any questions you have. I want to let you know kind of what your next steps are. And uh, this is the best way to let us know what's going on. Okay, so fill that out while I'm talking right now because this next part doesn't apply to you. Next group of people I want to talk about is maybe there's some people in here who feel like your back is up against the wall. And you're a Christ follower. You've put your trust in Jesus. You've done that, but you're hitting a, you're, you've hit a rough patch, okay? And you feel like, man, I don't know if my marriage is going to make it, or I'm struggling emotionally, mentally right now. Uh, it could be a financial thing. It could be I, I've got a bad diagnosis, my kids, whatever it is. Okay. Or it could even be, I just don't, I can't really put how I feel, but I just know I don't feel right about my life right now. There's something there. I can't even change it, but I'm just unsettled. And listen, some of you need to be reminded that God has a, a but God moment for you right now. The word tells us that the same spirit, listen to this, that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And so you might be desperate right now for a but God moment. I want to tell you, you can have it. And so I, this is a little different. Actually, back heads, close your eyes one more time, okay? We'll, we'll be done. If you're in here and you need a but God moment in your life right now, you're, you're facing something that just feels impossible. You're having a, a big struggle with something in your life right now. I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand. If that's you, come on. If you need help with a but God, just raise your hand. No, don't be shy. Come on. There we go. God, you see these hands up. You know. You know what people need. You know their situations. You know their situations with their kids, in their marriage, financially, with their emotions, God, with their mental health. Uh, you know physically what they need. You know everything about the situation. God, and we feel like there might be a period at the end of this sentence, and there might be, but God, you want to continue writing the stories of these people. God, would you continue writing their story with their but God moment right now? Would you help them? 
Would you come into this situation? God, would you change, start to begin to change? Give them boldness. Give them peace, God. Uh, give them wisdom to know what to do. Father, continue writing their story. God, we know that's what you want to do. I thank you for the resurrection. I thank you that because of that, God, we can have this freedom today. We can have a but God moment because of Easter. So God, we give these things to you. We submit to you and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Come on, give God a hand, everybody. Woo!